Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Amanda's like, don't you have a podcast tonight? He's like, oh shit, and I looked at my phone, and you guys had uh, messaged me, so yeah. Alright. Literally just forgot. That's it. That's the hey. level of dedication we've come to expect around here. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes you forget it's Tuesday. Yeah. We had ordered dinner. We were we had eight. We were watching TV. Just got lost. So sorry, I'm not on time like all you prompt people. All right. I was just worried. You know, if you took another 15 minutes, it's past my bedtime. I might fall asleep sitting here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't fall asleep. Genie. That's right. <laughs> it's uh, so un- unenthusiastic. The-, the most unenthusiastic segue of all time. I just don't even you know, know if it's true or not. Asleep. Genies. Genies. I'm, I'm, I'm like literally now I'm wondering if there was something in the movie where they said he doesn't sleep, but I don't think there was. I don't know. Did you see uh, Robin Williams sleep once uh, during Aladdin? I don't think so. So I think my point has been proven. Yeah. <laughs> Can't, can't argue against that hypothesis. Uh, Doug, do you want to want to refresh us on Wishmaster? I mean, somebody finds a magic gem. It has a genie in it. And uh, sorry, gin. It, it's a genie. Um, and it, the genie has to try to convince whoever has the gem to make three wishes. And if they do, then he's free to wreak havoc. And they have to try to stop him. And they went out of their way to get as many horror icons as they could to all be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie's basically just like a horror movie love letter. Yeah. Do you guys remember in 1997 when nobody else had done this before? How big a deal it was? You'd be watching this movie <laughs> and you're like, the guy that played Freddy and the guy that played Jason are both in this movie. And there's Candyman. You get all excited. And now like, it's the kind of thing where it happens every now and again. They put all these people in the same movie. So... Yeah. Is that motherfucking Reggie Bannister? <laughs> Man, he's a dick as a pharmacist. Well, you know what they say, uh, the pharmacists, right? They're dicks? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, do we also notice uh, the tall man doing the opening narration? It's hard not to because the narration yeah. is happening over the opening credits where his name pops up. So I'm just waiting for him to be like, boy. <laughs> boy. No, I'm so sad he's dead. Yeah, but he was like in his 90s, wasn't he? Well, that's a good run. Yeah, I mean, he's an old dude, and he's a huge dude. Huge dudes don't usually uh, make the long stretch. So gotta, he was ahead of the curve, but still. Gotta pump that blood too far all across your body. Uh, so what did, what did we think of this movie? 
besides the expendables aspect of it. I mean, I've always been a pretty big fan of it. it. Like I said, it's just a horror movie love letter. It's nonstop cameos by horror people and crazy kills and special effects that really. I mean, the the entire impetus of of this film with the the gin was basically just how could we put the most random weird kills in a film that we can and they're like what if he just has the magic power to do anything he wants to do <laughs> ah well weirdly the rules change throughout uh throughout the movie so sometimes it's he can't do anything unless it's wished upon other times he just kind of comes up with his own shit and sometimes he like sits there and literally says to the other characters say the words i wish and then tell me what you want and then i'll be able to do it for you and you're like no no too obvious don't do it like that because <laughs> that is the flaw of this movie is the uh what do you call it the everything except the special effects and the cameos because <laughs> it is yeah the story <laughs> the acting the script writing are all just objectively bad i mean uh, yeah but but i feel like they're bad in a good way it's look it's it's a fun movie to watch because of uh, we're gonna get into i'm sure some of the kills and some of the like the effects and stuff and the cameos are all great but the storyline is literally like it's like what if we just took a disney movie and just like said it was a horror movie instead and that's basically what's happened here (laughs) and it's got that that lazy ass nineties acting that we, like we've talked about it a lot lately. It feels I, I just can't, I can't watch it and not get upset. So. Yeah. But it's even with the garbageness of it, it's still one of the better parts of the nineties. Yeah, sure. Cause at least, like I said, at least they're doing something instead of making another screen rip off. Well, and that's, that's the thing is like, okay, so, you go back and you watch 80s slashers, you can come up with lots of theoretical uh, complaints about them. Like, you know, maybe the characters aren't that well developed and all these other arguments that you could make. But then you're like, but we're here to watch these people get killed. And as long as they're getting killed in fun ways, nobody gives a shit about all that other stuff, right? And I think you can do that with this movie where you just go, yeah, like, okay. The plot is just this cheesy excuse to give him magic powers so he can kill people in fun ways. But he does kill people in fun ways and the yeah. effects are good. So that's kind of all that matters. I was going to say in the opening scene of this movie, a man's skeleton kills him by tearing out of his own body and then attacks another dude. <laughs> yep. Now, I mean, and when you say that out loud, is there anything else that could possibly happen that would make this movie go from like to it to like, un- we don't recommend it territory. Obviously not. Obviously it's right. a winner at that point. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a gimme that the movie's going to be enjoyable on that level just from that opening sequence, which is fantastic. The whole opening sequence just looks great. You know, there's a giant fucking gem that looks like something that you could buy at like medieval times. And that's where our demon is going to be stuck for most of the movie. And it's like, yeah, all right, that all works. I feel like if you had, if you had infinite budget, you could make this film and make it basically the same as nightmare city where like, that first wish is just made at the beginning of the movie. And then it's just that opening scene for two hours. Yeah. And I would be, I'd be so down for that. Yeah. That, that opening sequence, if it could just go on for a lot longer, I don't know how it, I would ever get sick of it. 
I, uh, uh, it helps when you have Robert Kurtzman directing it. Yeah. Who is, who is the K and K and B. So, yep. you know, he was just like, all right, guys, what do we got just laying around the shop that we could just throw into this movie? It's like, well, right. we started to make this crocodile person. Do you think we could put that in this movie? Uh, let's make it a snake person. We got a deal. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. I mean, even if you didn't have any knowledge of anybody that worked on the film, you would come in and be like, this feels like a special effects guy made this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think you piece it together. <laughs> it's like a special effects guy and maybe he's a bit of a horror nut and so he just made this movie where it's just like horror cameo special effect horror cameo special effect horror cameo special effect <laughs> stupid little stupid scene where a construction worker steals a gem after a statue breaks sure why not <laughs> right after it squishes Ted Raimi I forgot Ted Raimi was in this movie until that happened it's because he's not in it for very long. Yeah. Is it is it weird that I remembered quite a bit of this film, like a lot of the kills and all that kind of stuff. But what I didn't remember was the parade of cameos. What? That's really? this, that was this film's whole thing back right. in the day. I, I don't know. Well, maybe I just watched it because I enjoyed seeing a dude's skeleton tear out of his body and attack another <laughs> guy. Well, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I started watching it. I was like, oh, yeah, Robert England. Oh, Ted Ramey. <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> uh, Joe Pilato plays the drunken crane uh, operator. Is there anybody in this film that isn't somebody? The, the weirdest thing, though, is that all the main characters are like nobody shit actors. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was going to say the main woman. I don't even know her from anything yeah. else. Well, even... Yeah, all the main people. But anyone who has a bit part they spent money on i just i i if they had that many favors to call in they couldn't have just like i don't know used some of those people in the bigger parts <laughs> oh you mean like uh hey we need a homeless guy well somebody call buck flowers and just have him right have him come in and do it <laughs> we need the guy who plays grumpy homeless guy bring him to oh. me there's someone who does who does that as a specialty. I'll get him. Yeah, and I, I mean, I assume that it has to do with Kurtzman being in charge and just being able to literally call in the favors. I assume that's how oh, yeah. all these people are in this movie. Yeah, I watched uh, some of the interviews because uh, I got the Vestron Video 4 movie box set, if you want to call it that. It's not even really a box, I guess. Just four movie set. Wait a minute. <laughs> specifically whenever i put this movie on the list you were like uh wishmaster and you fucking paid for the Vestron box set yeah of course <laughs> doesn't mean i love every movie i own right doesn't have to like a movie to spend a whole bunch of money buying it and all of its sequels yeah. i was gonna say i like to have it, it i just like to have all it of its shitty sequels in in possibly the most expensive format possible <laughs> and don't you know I have a problem with collecting movies? Come on. And then he, and then mean, he watched the movie on Prime or, or paid to rent it somewhere so he didn't have to get up and get his disc. Of course, that's what uh, happened. Yeah, I, right I did it. watch the I disc because I just I wanted to watch some of the interviews. They talked to Robert England and Kane Hodder and Ted Raimi about being in the movie. And it okay. literally was, yeah, Kersman called me, asked me if I wanted to do it. Uh, I was only going to work like a day on the set. So I said, sure, why not? I just... I, 
<laughs> I understand. I understand spending a bunch of money and buying a movie that you don't know if you like it or not. It wasn't a bunch of money. It was like 15 bucks. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> All right. I haven't seen them in a long time, but I think the sequels are kind of fun, too. Uh, yeah, yeah it's I've pretty never... much more of the same. It's just a little lower quality. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think I tried to watch the second one like a long time ago and I fell asleep. Uh, and I've never watched anything past that. I don't know if I've ever seen the fourth one. I've, I've definitely seen them all back in the day when you'd have to like go rent them. All right. Well, right now the Blu-ray set is twenty-eight thirty-four, but I only paid like 15 when I got it. So, <laughs> all right. I think uh, Andrew Dewoff doesn't come back after the second one though. Can't remember. For me, that would lower the quality because I, I love Andrew Dewoff in this movie. His performance is quite good. Um, as much as I am not a fan of 90s acting, he stands out because he just hams it up just enough oh, yeah. where it's a bit ridiculous, but he's just like still mildly menacing, even though he's a genie. I find it weird that his performance is way better in the makeup. Because well, I feel yeah. like every yeah. time they've got him just with his face, all he does is kind of like menacingly grin at everybody. Which yeah. only does so much, but the second they put him in that makeup, all of a sudden he's like, "Is this something that you wish to see?" <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, fuck it." I like how I like how you're fascinated by that. You're like, "I can't believe he looks scary under all the demon makeup than he does when he doesn't have it on." It's like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah mean, that's how doing, it works." He's just doing more with his facial expressions covered in makeup, which is insane. I agree. He he just turns it up to eleven once he has the makeup on. Right, and I feel like they tried to walk a line maybe where he's not as menacing when he's in human form, but he's still a little menacing and they kind of, they smudged it a little where it's, it, they probably should have had him doing more in human form because it's not like he was covering up the fact that he was evil. I hope they don't think that they were tricking anybody. <laughs> uh, we did an interview with him uh, on drunken zombie a long time ago. And he did like a little bumper for us. And he did it in the Wishmaster voice, and it was pretty fantastic. That's awesome. It is a really good voice. Mm-hmm. You guys remember how, I don't think it was necessarily this movie that kicked it off, but right around that time, there was a whole bunch of these uh, pseudo-fantasy horror movies. There was like this one and Rumpelstiltskin. And... Mm-hmm. Listen, everybody remembers Rumpelstiltskin. Nobody's forgetting that one. You could kind of blame Leprechaun for that. I think so, yeah. So I think they were probably like four deep at this point. Yeah, maybe maybe that's... Oh, you know what it is. I bet it, this is around the time that uh, Leprechaun in the Hood hit. Now, this is more Leprechaun in space. Is that right? Uh, I was out. thinking maybe it was the resurgence. But uh, I don't know. Leprechaun in the Hood is probably like 2000 almost. Let's find out. That's a really important. Find this it out. It is. First one was in 93. In Space was 96. Um, doesn't uh, doesn't show the Wait. in the head ones. So Leprechaun, Leprechaun 1, 2, 3, and 4 all came out in a three-year period. That's what you're telling me? 93, 96, yeah. That's amazing. Good listen, for Leprechaun. Listen, when Warren <laughs> Davis gets a fucking bit, he's going to ride that shit. <laughs> It really explains why that Vegas one feels so cheap because they apparently they made it in like a week and a half because 
in order to be able to release movies as quickly as possible. Yeah, In the Hood was 2000. Yeah. So yeah, this would have yeah, came right I, after In Space. Yeah. All right. No, and I, I think it makes sense that like Leprechaun and Child's Play were probably the two that kind of got everyone thinking in these weird terms of like... Because oh, of the voodoo? Yeah. yeah. And it's just... Now, also the idea that... Well, okay, you can. But can we podcast first? Maybe not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that, yeah, it, this idea of rolling out all these weird sort of like traditional stories, but with a horror twist to them. Are, uh, I think that that was going on back then. and it, It's kind of fun. Even if it's a bit ridiculous all the time. So didn't uh. we do Pinocchio's Revenge on this uh, podcast? Was that a previous podcast that I was on? Previous podcast. Right. <laughs> so I don't think I've ever seen it. Is it Mini Me and Rumpel Stillskin? It's a good, that's a good twofer. Pinocchio's Revenge at Rumpel Stillskin. I haven't seen Rumpel Stillskin since the '90s, so I'd be happy to rewatch that one. It's probably not good. It, no. Great what cover art, we, though. What about Wishmaster, though? Do you guys like that? It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was the Rumpelstiltskin movie in '95? Yeah, I I really don't have any complaints about Wishmaster. Like, it, so it could have been done better, but the fact that it wasn't done better <laughs> might <laughs> might be the best thing for it. I think the weirdest thing about watching it is just that, like, if this were like a direct-to-video movie with nobody in it I'd heard of, I'd be perfectly happy and I wouldn't have any complaints because it feels big budgety. And because it has a bunch of faces in it, I recognize that's what makes me feel like it should. The acting should be better and the storyline should be better and the script should be better. Eh, 97. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's like, again, I, I don't know how many times we brought it up in the past few weeks. It just keeps coming up like fucking 90s, man. They just <laughs> they were not interested in. I mean, the good news about it is that because the studios didn't give a shit if the movie was good or not, they'd put guys like Kurtzman in charge and they'd just be like, do whatever you want. And then he would, the parts that he's good at, the special effects and the kills and shit, he nails because that's what he should be doing. But then there's nobody going, what about making sure the script is good before we do that? Nah. Get eh, it. Eh. So. Uh, Mini Me was actually in Wishmaster. Yeah. When the uh, creature first comes out and it's like a mini version of the creature, that was Mini Me. Okay. No idea. No for, some reason, for some reason, I think he's in a Rubble Stillskin movie, which is what I was thinking about. But then I was looking at the cast list for this movie. I'm like, shit, he is in this movie. So I don't feel he is in Rubble Stillskin, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Uh, do you have a favorite death in this movie? That skeleton one at the beginning is stands out. <laughs> really does. <laughs> it? I mean, I like uh, all the, when the dude's like stomach turns into a mouth and bites that other dude's arm off. Uh, Kind of in an ode to uh, uh, Nightbreed. Oh, Mini Me was also in Pinocchio's Revenge. See? Okay. All comes together. You probably stop calling him Mini Me out of respect for the individuals. <laughs> Apparently, he was in a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> Mini Me was prolific. Uh, he was also in something called Vern Troyer Sex Tape. So Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> I just love that it's on IMDb. <laughs> Uh, no malone that's what he was in i was trying to think of what it was that's what i've seen that one yet but i want to see it 
Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I'm pretty so. sure it's not going to be good, but I definitely want to see it. No. What was your favorite kill in Wishmaster, Brian? Well, we got to go with the Kane Hodder one since it's Kane Hodder month. Yeah, it plays a security guard at the, uh, I don't know, is it a jewelry place? What the fuck is this place? I don't It doesn't matter. This is a security guard. Uh, yeah. And uh, comes out and Wishmaster, I don't know his actual name, the genie, wants to go in, but Kane Hodder won't let him in. And just as he's about in, the, in another weird, we're like, this rule is going to work right now, but it doesn't work any other time throughout the entire movie. He has to do what the guy tells him to do. So he tells him to go away. So he starts to walk away like, but he doesn't want to. And then that never comes up again. But if Kane Hodder just could have kept his mouth shut. He says, yeah. the only way you're getting in is through me. And I'd like to see that. And so then he turns into glass and the guy just walks right through him. He explodes. Yeah, I really wish the film. So I, I'm a big fan of these supernatural horror films that have real uh, cogent rules and stuff to them. And I wish the that the I wish phrase was a requirement. Because there seems to be a whole lot of this fuckery where half the time he needs him to say I wish and other times all they have to do is mildly suggest that they want something. Yeah, yeah. It, look, yeah. it's. Again, you're getting real nitpicky for this movie. <laughs> you're not wrong. It's just that's not what this is. That's not the movie we're talking about. It, it's, like I said, it's not it's not a serious complaint. It's just you could improve the movie that way. Yeah, um, it's. I, and again, that's what I. My complaints with the movie are that are basically that. It's like, why aren't there consistent rules? Like you had all this money and all these people working on this. Why aren't there consistent rules? And the answer is no one gave a shit. So, all right, that's fine. The The answer is they had all the positions filled, but script supervisor. <laughs> See, what they did is they got like an iconic script supervisor from 80s horror movies. And the problem is there isn't really good script supervision in 80s horror movies either. So, right. <laughs> We just none of us know that guy's name, but trust me, Kurtzman went and found somebody who'd worked on all sorts of the Friday the 13th sequels and shit. Uh, did you tell us your favorite kill, Noah? Man, I got a lot. I got, I'm gonna have to stick with the skeleton. I agree with Doug that the skeleton tearing out of the guy's body and then attacking another dude. I just I cannot <laughs> fathom how fucking great that is. I wish that. <laughs> was a whole horror movie that it was a, it was like a zombie movie that there is a weird plague spreading, but instead of the plague turning you into a zombie, it makes your skeleton tear out of your body and attack someone else. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's still time. <laughs> of course, I don't know if it'd be as good now. Now it'd be all CGI. It's, yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's the thing is to this movie came out at a sweet spot when there's still um, just that that right level of we're still using practical effects so even if things don't look great all the time they still look cool because they're real and something's actually happening yeah and then, but then uh, there's still a couple scenes that has a 90 cgi that yes it it's a like, problem oof. but yeah, they were trying to use CGI like because it is just enough after Jurassic Park that people thought CGI was acceptable. And it's like, yeah, maybe not. 
Maybe yeah, you shouldn't be using it unless you've got Jurassic Park budget. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. Well, anything else before we move on to that I think we're going to like a lot less? Uh, I don't know. Watch, watch it. Give it a chance. Like, even if you think it's cheesy. First time I watched it in a while, and I actually ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, I, I mean... I know a lot of people who fucking hate it, and I just I don't get that. Well, because people are fucking assholes. That's what you got to remember, right? Like, there's people don't like movies because they'll say like, oh, it's stupid. He's a genie, but he kills people. And it's like, well, if that's going to be your attitude, you probably shouldn't turn this movie on because obviously that's what it is. But if you get your head around that and just like enjoy watching him kill people like you're like you're supposed to in a horror movie, then you'll probably enjoy it again. It's it it's almost like a supernatural slasher, basically, is what it is. So look at it that way. You're not in it for characters. You're not in it for story. You're not in it for anything like like that ending when she like has to trick the genie into wishing himself into oblivion or whatever the fuck happens. And you're just like, I don't. Oh, my God. Is this really the ending to the horror movie? (laughs) And it's just like, uh, all right, I guess. But it's. It's just it's just so corny, but whatever. Who cares (laughs) if they have to find a way to beat him, right? So. Yeah, you just wish he never escaped, and it's all good. Yeah. Although they uh, bend over backwards to not just have her say that. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the easy and logical way to resolve it. Oh, but if if we say we wish the guy wasn't drunk when he was working, then that fixes everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's they're they're really trying to make that main character look smarter than she actually is. Yes. You're like it's. I don't. He got you on two wishes, like right out the gate, you dumb bitch. <laughs> but it's like you ever watch like like low budget like mystery movies? They always have that one character that can like they they are trying to make them look intelligent, and then you're if you're watching it, you're like, no, they're they're not though, and that's what makes it frustrating. And that's what it is here. Is it's just like we really we she came up with that, but it was so hard to do, and only this character could think of it. Or no, not really. A seven-year-old would figure that out. What if we just wish the genie was gone? That's not that complicated. <laughs> well, genie, I wish for more wishes. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. Anyways, yeah, <sighs> fun, fun sell to watch. Yeah, not lot, lots, lots wrong with it if you start thinking too much. So just don't do that. Yeah, I'm curious. I may since it's October, maybe I'll try to watch the other ones this month and see if. Uh, they're any good. I'm sure they won't be. I remember them being fun, but just like this one. Just fun, not good in a traditional sense. And so again, haven't seen them in a long time. Don't want to be held accountable for that position that I'm taking on them. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch them and you don't like them, that's not my fault. Uh, oh, I'm blaming it right on you. Uh no, do you want to recap Pumpkinhead 2, Blood Wings? Sure. Uh so, as you guys recall, the original Pumpkinhead uh, is is Lance Hendrickson, and uh, it's the story of uh, a man's son being killed by a bunch of partying kids when they hit him with a car, and then he summons this demon for revenge, and it slowly consumes him, destroying him, and is this great uh, metaphor for, like, grief and pain and how it turns into rage and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then this movie... <laughs> Is just a bunch of bullshit because they had the, the pumpkin head suit left over. And they were like, hey, 
we can make a sequel, we still got that pumpkin head suit. So <laughs> let's just find an excuse for a bunch of, I mean, it's literally a bunch of psycho teens uh, murder uh, a handicapped child in the woods back in the, I don't, I don't know. It's, I think it's supposed to be the 50s, but that timeline doesn't make any sense. Uh, right. So that happens. And then we skip to the future in which a bunch of asshole teens kill an old witch. <laughs> which, I mean, do, do we need both? Do we need both things? Yes. yes. <laughs> in order to justify summoning the uh the the pumpkin head for revenge i mean once again in the first one all we needed was one kid getting hit by a car which did anybody actually summon pumpkin head did i miss this did the kid because the yeah. i know the kids go they, dig up they dig did. up the body so yeah, they yeah, called they pumpkin did. head on themselves no no yes, they they, called- they resurrect the body but then the witch calls for the body to be transformed into pumpkin head right Oh, is that how it worked? I don't I think so. I think they perform the summoning ritual, but she is the impetus since uh, she's the one who's playing. Yeah. She has know, a little speech. She had just fucks people up. Yeah, it's definitely sure. not as clear cut as it was in the first movie. It's it's a low budget horror sequel. Yeah, <sighs> I watched right, the I trailers of the third I, and the fourth one, and. Uh, this may be high budget compared to those two. So what did you think of the movie, Brian? You're obviously, you feel like you're dying to say it. Uh, it was terrible, but I think I thought we all knew that going in, though. It's got Linnea Quigley's boobs in it. I know. That small section is uh, tolerable. And toward the end of the movie, some of the kills are good. The, the kid who gets like his head ripped off, it's all right. All right. And... Uh, but doesn't it feel like they spend three quarters of this movie making a very PG-13 horror movie that then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, it's rated R. Let's throw some tits and blood in at the end. It's almost feel like reshoot stuff. They're like, ah, oh, fuck, we forgot all that stuff. Somebody give us five thousand dollars. Get get Linnea quickly on the phone. Right. All right. So I got to uh, I don't know if I'm going to blow your guys oh, mind here or not. Doug, Doug loves this movie. I fucking had a great time watching this movie. Maybe it was just the perfect oh. scenario where I, like instead of sitting alone watching it with like an analytical mind, I just I just had someone over and we were like just like I was like, I gotta watch Pumpkinhead too. You wanna wanna watch that? It was like, all right. So <laughs> but we were laughing at the cheesiness in the way that you can enjoy that cheesiness of slasher sequels and direct video sequels of the late eighties and early nineties. Um, I thought the kills were fun. There was a lot of like problems again, if you start overthinking it. Um, namely the fact that all the characters who were in high school together in 1958 are completely different ages as adults. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird when they were like that old guy that played the, uh, not the, is it the mayor, the old guy? No, the, cause the mayor is Bill Clinton's brother. The judge, <laughs> the judge, the old guy. That's the judge is like, he looks like he's pushing 70, which makes sense if he was causing problems back in 1958. But then, like, Kane Hodder is one of his buddies, and I'm like, well, those guys are, like, 40 years apart in age. How's that working? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. By horror movie logic, Kane Hodder could almost play one of the teenagers in this movie. <laughs> so, all valid points. Um, the whole thing with Pumpkinhead drawing the Red Wings symbol on everything. 
So it's pretty yeah. cheesy. Dumb. Like but, I pointed out in the chat, like when he does come for the judge, he sneaks into the house, draws a symbol all everything, sneaks back out of the house and waits for the judge to come out and see it. And then when he does see it, he enters dramatically by busting a door open. And he's always got that bright light behind him. Yeah, I'm just like, what the so fuck? knows he's fucking pumpkin and I. So much fun to watch. Uh, that's all I can say. I, like, if you're asking me objectively, is that good? No. But is it fun to watch? I had a great time watching it. I had so much fun. I made it a point not to watch the original before watching this because I figured that one might uh, hurt my ability to enjoy the other. But it's. I, I think that's my biggest problem is that the first one's such a kind of like great fucking horror movie and that this kind of poops on the legacy of that. <laughs> yeah, and that's the. Look. I've had my share of complaints with that with horror sequels and stuff as well. Um, so I totally get it, but you know, the, I haven't seen the first one in a while and that's why I decided not to watch it. Cause I knew we were going in for cheesy direct video sequel territory and you don't usually need to have seen the first one to enjoy those. And I imagine this is better if you watch it separate from the first one rather than at the same time or in, in terms of thinking of it as a sequel. That's just a standalone, like, look at this dumb horror movie where this cool-looking monster kills the shit out of all these people. I think it's super fun. Well, Lance Henriksen comes back for the third one. Yeah. If that makes you want to watch that. A little bit. I've definitely seen it. I've seen all of these at some point. But I do not have much recollection. I think this is the one I remember the most, maybe even more than I remember the first one. Um, cause I, like I, when I started watching this, I started to remember all the, like the fun kills and stuff. I love it when that puppet picks people up and throws them around and you clearly can tell that that puppet's not capable of lifting anything. <laughs> yeah. It, that puppet, no move good. No, but they do a decent enough job of cutting around it for low budget filmmaking. Like when he throws people through windows all the time and shit. I like how when he does fight like an old timey Western, uh, bar brawl. Yeah. What's wrong with that? It's pretty fun. I like that they did raid uh, TV sitcoms for the cast. That's fun. Um, Punky Brewster in the movie. Got Punky Brewster. uh, The token black kid was on uh, Married Children for a while. He became the new guy at the shoe store in the last couple seasons. I do like Uh, the fact that in in a weird universe where you're playing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, you can make the connection of Punky Brewster and Linnea quickly, which is <laughs> great. Uh, w- not the main kid, but then the other white male kid was from Charles in Charge. Yep. Charles in Charge. <laughs> Before Scott Bayo was outed as a complete lunatic and Trump supporter. Um, and then we got uh, Andrew Robinson from uh, Hellraiser. Yeah. The weird mustache. Yeah. About the quality of acting you expect to get in a low-budget film from whatever year this came out in. So you're complaining about the acting in the last movie, but you had no problem with it here? Again, I think there's a... You have to judge movies differently when you're looking at a cheap direct-to-video sequel to Pumpkinhead versus if you're looking at like a studio picture 
with big names behind it and an obvious budget. That's that's the difference. The, the acting is about the same quality in the two movies. The difference is here I have lower expectations. Yeah, I don't know. Do we know? Let's look up what the budgets were for these movies because I'm curious. You keep calling Wishmaster a bigger <laughs> budget movie and I don't know if it actually is. Uh, Five million for Wishmaster? I'm just wondering if Kurtzman was able to stretch his money a lot more since he is a special effects guy. That would make sense. Pumpkinhead 2. Does it even have like a Wikipedia page or is it just $35? Uh, Let's see. Details. Do they even have? Oh, they don't even have a budget on here. They're so embarrassed. They're like, no. Let me look at the Wikipedia. Continue on. I I mean, I've I've said my piece. Um, I think it's... I think watching this this guy kill everybody is fun. I think the effects look good. I think, you know, the acting is what you expect to get from a direct-to-video sequel. I, I just, I, I guess it's maybe it is because I'm not comparing it to the original that I'm enjoying it more than you guys. Maybe. And maybe I need to rewatch the original now so that I can go back and be disappointed in this movie retroactively. But... Mm. I, I, was, I was just having a lot of fun with it. I love this stupid shit with like he saves the cops, uh, the uh, cops, some um, fire truck toy from when he was a kid. All that nonsense of like the cop had a had a run in with the well, the kid who is supposed to be Pumpkinhead's son. I think. <laughs> I guess. I, I mean, think. is that weird? That witch totally fucked Pumpkinhead. That's gross. No, that witch isn't the kid's mom. Oh, man. The kid is a random kid in the woods. That, By the way, that's part of the plot of this movie is back in the 50s. There was just a kid that lived in the woods and everybody was just okay with that. Nobody did anything about that because he was and mildly that, deformed. And that somehow that kid is, is Pumpkinhead's child and yeah. is Pumpkinhead. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I think. I think when the the people were doing the the teenagers were doing the resurrection thing, and they would have brought back the kid, but then because the witch was wronged as she was dying, she did the curse to make him become pumpkinhead. Paid way more attention than I did. Well, maybe that's why I had so much more fun with it. Uh, Pumpkinhead two barely has Wikipedia page. Does not have a budget listed. Yeah, I assume under Pumpkinhead there's a spot that says sequels, and you can click on that, and it'll say they made sequels, and that's about all you're going to get. Uh, not even that. No. <laughs> Did you guys think it's weird that Pumpkinhead at the end of the film gets taken out the same way that he did as the de- deformed Woods child? No, I thought that was pretty obvious foreshadowing. You, th- you think? See, I'm, Check- I feel Chekhov's like- open mind pit. If you're going to introduce an open mind pit in the first part of the movie, you got to throw somebody down it later in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I su- yeah, see, I suppose so. I don't know. It, fe- it felt weird that it's like, oh my God, look at what these horrible people did. He's a victim. And then at the end of the movie, they're like, ah, we finally talked him down. He's not going to kill the girl. And they're like, fuck him up again. <laughs> <laughs> Redneck mob justice to the rescue. Yeah, but I think it leaves it open at the end that he's not actually dead. So they're like, see? Yeah. Since he does pull the fire truck out of out of the, the mine or the well or whatever the fuck it is. So I think it's I think it's supposed to be a little bit more dramatic than what we give it credit for. 
It's supposed to be like, he didn't die. He's actually out roaming the woods right now. And everybody's like, I don't give a shit. We're not going to make another pumpkin head movie for another 20 years. So who cares? But he didn't kill the girl because he recognized her father from saving him when he was a 15 year old playing a seven year old. So <laughs> I thought you might want to bring that up. Right? Oh, yeah. The flashback terrible. sequence when they're like, I was seven years old and I was playing in the woods. And it's like, well, if you're seven, who's this guy in the flashback sequence? Because he ain't seven. <laughs> Guys look out like a fucking goatee and shit. Dirt mustache coming in. Oh. Like legit, I I didn't like when he's talking about I was seven and I was playing in the woods. I did not know that that character was supposed to be the seven year old because I just. Jesus. So Kane Hodder does play. The fuck do they own a chicken farm? Something like that. Yeah. Him and his brother were involved in uh, the original killing back in the 50s when they were negative 14. Uh, we find out that they got a dumb and deaf sister. Is that what they call her? Mm-hmm. Is that the uh, the colloquial terms they used in the movie? I believe so. Yeah, something to that uh, effect. Well, because I said it, and I wanted to try to make it sound like I uh, got it from the movie and not just randomly blurted out deaf and dumb on the podcast. I don't know the politically correct terms for that, so I would. So I wasn't bringing her up. Uh, well, they bring up that, uh, one of them's really mean to her. And then apparently Kane Hodder sleeps with her. Well, I don't like know. It's supposed to be a joke, but I don't, it's weird. I, it didn't, it didn't quite work. The humor. Cause I don't know if he sleeps with her, with his sister. And that is that the joke or is the joke that his brother's picking on him and insulting him by saying he does. It's one of the two. I don't know. I think I, I don't, I'm serious. It's hard to you know what? each their own Kane Hodder's character from Pumpkinhead 2 wants to sleep with his own sister that's their business they're adults I was gonna be it's been several episodes since we got some incest in one of these films so we were due <sighs> gross um, so of course Pumpkinhead shows up and just destroys them yeah super fun but doesn't kill the uh, the deaf girl because he's only killing the people who he holds responsible for his previous death. I guess. He doesn't I feel kill Linnea Quigley either. He just drives no, her I know. madness. But I feel like there's somebody else that he just randomly killed who wasn't part of that mob either. Like who? I don't know. I'm trying to think now. He's happy to kill like the teenagers that killed the witch or the people that killed him when he was young. He's, a, he's basically a vengeance demon, though. He goes yeah, after yeah. those specific people. I'm not questioning his motives. I'm just questioning if he actually stuck to him or not. It's possible he made a mistake. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to think now. Yeah, I don't remember all the deaths. No, he did go out. No, because, no, yeah, he went after that postman guy who was supposed to be one of the Red Wing gang or whatever the fuck they called themselves. Um, but then he didn't kill the random chick that he was sleeping with. Just no. drove her insane. Women just go insane, by the way, if they see Pumpkinhead kill somebody. That's just yeah. the standard thing. It happens multiple times in this movie. It's like, oh. That's, well, that's because of their wandering uteruses. Makes <laughs> <laughs> about as much sense as anything else. Yeah, let's see why not. Uh, I don't know. I thought this movie was terrible. Noah, what do you think? Yeah, it's 
It's not super good. I I will say this. As far as like a, a trash horror movie, it's no more of a trash horror movie than a lot of movies that I watch. So it's all right. It's not good. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I think I would rather watch the first one, but that's fine. I think if you watch this movie in the same context that I saw it for the first time, which was like, I don't know, 13 years old and watching it on Cinemax in the middle of the night, then, then you're probably going to have a good time. Or you'll be frustrated because at the beginning you're like, oh, this, they said this movie had nudity in it. And then you sit and wait and wait and wait. Right. wait. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, there it is. It's over. What? This is it's bullshit. Like nudity. Yes. And then it pops up and it's like Linnea Quigley. And you're like, ah, uh, yes. And it's like, oh, man. It's mostly just side boots. Like I just wasted 50 minutes of my life. Could have been jerking off to something else. All right. <laughs> uh, anything else before we move on? No, that's bad. Uh, I, I don't know how to follow that up, so we should probably move on. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What everybody watched since last week? I watched a thing. Uh, I went and saw Venom 2. Oh yeah, you were super pumped about this. I wouldn't see. I wouldn't say super pumped. It's better. It's better than the first one because my complaint about the first one was that they mostly reduced Venom into a bunch of like toilet jokes, which was, I don't know, just not good. And this one, it's still got problems. Like the so the biggest problem is the the dialogue. The script has I don't I don't know who the fuck wrote it, but it's not extremely well put together. What? <laughs> they make the same joke. So I don't. You guys know that in the '90s there was the Venom solo comic book was called Venom Lethal uh, Lethal Enforcer, right? No, that was Lethal Protector. Lethal Protector. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, Kelly Marcel. Lethal Enforcer was a different thing. Kelly Marcel wrote this. Yeah. So they make a joke about that. She also wrote the first one. Six fucking times. Oh, legal protector. Yeah. And one time it's fine. Like one time it's like cheesy, but you're like, ha ha ha. That was a little cheesy, but it's a comic book references. Like six times you're like, shut the fuck up. Like, I get it. I get that. That's what they called the comic. I don't. You've ruined it. Uh, And then. Yeah. So that's that's my biggest complaint. Most of the movie is pretty much about. Uh, Venom and Eddie Brock happening to learn to like be a team and be in sync, which kind of was what the first movie was. So I don't know if that was necessary, but yeah, they went for it a little bit more. I will say this every second that Carnage is on the screen is fucking great. Uh, and every second that Cletus Cassidy's on the screen is fucking great. Woody Harrelson's awesome. You know, he fucking he can deliver. Even you ain't him a pile of shit, he's still going to make it watchable uh there's a lot of cool references to other comic book stuff it's it's weirdly short for some reason 
and I'm assuming that has to do with the post credit scene, which I'm assuming has been spoiled for every single person by this point, because it was spoiled about three hours after the premiere. Mm-hmm. Spoiled for me. I don't know if it was for Doug or not, or if Doug even cares. No, I don't care. Well, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler warning for those at home. And since Doug doesn't fucking care, uh, basically the post credit ties everything into the greater MCU. So the the Sony verse stuff is now officially Marvel verse stuff. See, I don't want that in in some shape or form. Well, from so from what I read, according to the contract negotiations, that going forward, obviously the stuff that Sony's already made is already made, and there's nothing they can do about it. But uh, going forward, Kevin Feige is going to have a heavier hand in what Sony does and how they do it, which is a good thing, because that means they'll have somebody come in who will actually be like, no, you're not making this shitty movie <laughs> or no, you're not making this stupid joke. Yeah, it's, it's too late, though, right? I don't know. I don't know if it is or not, because I'll tell you what, toward the especially toward the end of the movie, it seems to work better. And I don't know if that's maybe and maybe the reason why it's so short is I, I'm wondering if all this didn't come to pass well after the movie was finished and got delayed due to COVID and all that kind of shit. That maybe this contract got finalized and Marvel stepped in and they were like, OK, well, we can't fix this whole thing, but you need to, like, clean this and this and this up. So get rid of that, please. Yeah, yeah. we're still stuck with the Venom, though, that had nothing to do with Spider-Man. Well, but maybe not. Spider-Man didn't wear a black suit and then have the black suit escape from him and then cling to somebody else and then have a deep hatred for Spider-Man, which is the Venom I want. Well, once again, though, but maybe not. So if you guys just want me to, I'll just spoil it all right. We already gave a spoiler warning. So everybody shut shut this off. But (laughs) the movie ends with Eddie is like in this random hotel in you know he's moved to san francisco like he does in the comic books which i i appreciate that they made that switch too but they're laying in bed and him and venom are talking and he says something about not keeping secrets because they're watching this soap opera and venom says something that suggests venom hasn't told him everything and he's like you know hey we agreed no more secrets and venom says well, it's not that I don't want to tell you. It's that it, it basically he busts out a whole bunch of uh, comic book jargon where he basically explains that what the Clintar are and that they're a hive mind and that he has knowledge that stretches back thousands of years across. And then he says across multiple realities and all this kind of stuff and that he's going to show Eddie a little bit of it so that he'll understand. But that's when. Whatever happens, happens in the universe jump. Like you see a flash of light and all of a sudden they're in a different hotel room and the J. Jonah Jameson's pl- things playing on TV. But I think what they're going to do, because he's talking about the the that they have multiversal hive knowledge and stuff. I think that Venom, there's going to be two Venoms and that they're going to combine. Does that make sense? So I think the Topher, I think the Topher Grace the Topher Grace symbiote is going to get absorbed by the Tom Hardy Venom, 
That's still dumb. I don't see. I don't think that's all that dumb because at least then they can course correct because they can be like, okay, well now it's got all those memories and it has a reason to hate Spider-Man and all that kind of stuff. Then wow. It hate, then it would hate the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man though. Right. Well, it would hate a Spider-Man, which really is all that matters, right? See, but I feel like if Sony just would have waited, they could have had yeah. all this make a lot more sense, but they had to well, jump ahead and make make one without Spider-Man, and now but it's But you know, it's Sony, Sony thought they were done. never going to get to do what they wanted to do, so they just went ahead and did what they were going to do. Yeah, well, and now they fucked everything up, because I don't like it. But like I said, we'll see what happens. In I was watching a thing and somebody was fan theorizing about the fact that so you know everyone loves uh, Alfred Molina's Doctor Octopus, and a fairly successful run of Spider Man was called uh, Superior Spider Man, where yeah, it was a very fantastic run. Yeah, where Doc I... Ock basically takes him over, and then at the end of it, they even like they clone a, a second Peter body and. <laughs> Doc Ock is in that now. So oh, now yeah. there's two Spider-Mans. But I'm very familiar. It was one of the last comic book stories I liked before I stopped reading comics. Yeah. But I, I don't of, feel like that story is going to work in the current MCU. Well, it doesn't have to. So I I think th- what they were talking about is so they have to still keep them kind of separate, even though they're going to like interact. And one good way of doing that would be to work in the superior Spider-Man stuff. It doesn't have to be its whole own movie, but work it in. Then you can split off and have a crazy Dr. Ock Spider-Man off in the Venom universe being Spider-Man while keeping the good Spider-Man. So you're going to have Tom Holland playing two different versions of Spider-Man? Yeah. Tom, Tom Holland would be both Spider-Mans. It's no, just one would be a different personality, which I, I think is a cool idea. Doing Ben Riley would be another way of doing it. But yeah. I don't, since uh, people like I, Molina, they could have him do voiceover stuff. I don't think that's going to work, considering it takes him like three years to make one Spider-Man movie. Then he's going to take on like another Spider-Man franchise. I suppose, but he's been making other movies the entire time he's been making I know, but I'm saying all, all, all those will have to go away because he's got two Spider-Man franchises he's got to make. Well, that's that's true. I don't know. I just I feel like it could work and I don't want to shit on it before it starts because I, I trust Disney to make not shitty stuff. And if Disney thinks they can bring in this Venom and make it not shitty. But again, fine, I believe them. they're doing this for Sony so Sony can fuck off with their own shit. And they not have to super keep an eye on it, even though you said Kevin Feige is going to be more involved. I feel like that's a way for you for them to go. Yeah, yeah, you can have your little Spidey, but everybody who watches the movies will know it's not the real Spider-Man. So you can do whatever, go do your own shit and do ours. Maybe. See, I feel like it's more like Disney stepping in and being like, listen, if you really want to play and you want to use these characters, we can't have you putting out shitty superhero stuff anymore and, and possibly killing the uh, the role that Disney's on. So they're going to help them, if that makes sense. I don't know. That's, that's been my worry for years, that the DC stuff is going to be so shitty 
that it's going to wear people out and they're not going to be interested in superheroes anymore. And then we're going to lose the good stuff. Yeah. I don't know. You're a lot more positive on it than I am. Like all of that stuff sounds terrible. Yeah. I, yeah. I just don't, I, 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 I almost think the MCU would be better to just cut it off. Like almost ki- either kill Spider-Man or something else and just, okay, Sony go do your thing and fuck it. Because I, I don't want all that shit brought in because it's garbage. And it's, I don't trust that it's going to get good. I've been assuming that Miles Morales is going to become a thing. At some point he will. Because I think that's what Disney wants. I think Disney wants Miles Morales Spider-Man. But the problem is their own monster that they've created. And that's that people fucking really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. God knows I do because it's actually worked. He's the first one who's a good Spider-Man and a good Peter Parker, which is yeah. what the other two fucked up on. One one was a good Peter Parker and a bad Spider-Man. And one was a decent Spider-Man and a bad Peter Parker. Yeah, but, yeah, but that was it. That's all I want. What did you watch, Doug? Well, also made for streaming services. I did watch the new... Uh, Lego Star Wars Halloween special. <laughs> I saw that. Was it good? <laughs> it was fun. It was, uh, it's so the setup is that Poe Dameron crash lands on Mustafar and finds somebody making Vader's old castle into a hotel. <laughs> and then they all gather inside and tell scary stories. Um, some of which are well, one of them is literally called the Wookiee's Paw, if that helps you understand what that one's about. <laughs> but several of them are flashbacks to like what happened to Maul after he got cut in half and uh, the creation of General Grievous, which are fun to watch. So if you're a fan of animated Halloween specials and a fan of the Lego stuff and a fan of Star Wars, you'd probably really like it. If you're not a fan of one of those things, probably stay away from it. Um because you know it's not it's not good in the traditional sense. It's not like you're actually going to be scared. It's not like it's offering you good Star Wars stuff, but it's fun to watch and it's silly. Yeah, my wife saw it and she was pretty pretty excited. She's going to end up watching it. She likes to watch kids movies, like you know animated stuff. Yeah. So she uh, she's pretty excited checking out. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fun. I, like, I watched it with my kids, so, you know, he. I think he was only watching it because he knew that if he asked to watch a Star Wars thing, he gets to stay up late. Kiss. You know, I'll be like, well, it's too close to bedtime. He's like, but I really want to watch Star Wars. All right, fine, we can. Uh, <laughs> so. You found a loophole. It's a, uh, but, you know, we, we had fun watching it together. and It's, it's a fun, nice. family-friendly Halloween-type thing. That's still set in the Star Wars universe. Nice. Uh, what else did I watch this week? Oh, I finally watched Leviathan. Do you guys mm-hmm. remember you told me I should watch that like a year ago? And I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to. Yeah. You, finally, it, you it, finally did. It automatically started after Pumpkinhead 2 ended on YouTube. So I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll finally get to that. Well, if Google tells me to. Yeah. Um, it's really good. You guys already know that. Yeah. Um, you guys told me that it was like alien, but underwater, but you did not tell me how many, how much the, the thing had influenced it with the cool special effects of that monster squirming around, taking over people and shit. I, uh, I might've said alien mixed with the thing underwater, but well, who I knows? Guess. Maybe I only listened to half. It doesn't, 
sense. Yeah, and you figured it out for yourself, and sometimes that's even more fun. Yeah, I was because I was enjoying the movie. Right off the, I mean, how can you not when you like look at the cast and you're like Daniel Stern and RoboCop? Come on, is Daniel Stern just going to sexually harass women through this whole thing? (laughs) While Rambo Rambo's lieutenant is a a doctor who doesn't give a shit, and RoboCop's in charge of this whole thing. It's uh, a yeah. I mean, uh, for people who haven't seen it, it is literally they find an alien thing underwater that gets onto their ship and it's alien meets the thing, except they're underwater instead of in space. Um, you know, good performances, good special effects, good everything you'd want from a horror movie. Great atmosphere. A little bit cheesy at the very end when they may finally make it to the surface of the water. Hmm. Uh, but still fun so who cares yeah i liked uh i liked meg foster as the uh like the exec that is just finding excuses to keep them under the water because the of course the evil corporation knows what's going on and isn't telling them so yeah. i, I so like that element of it she like, just keeps uh, telling them it's a storm oh uh, yeah don't come up here uh things are bad up here uh just stay where you are yeah, she keeps telling them that there's a hurricane and that's why they can't come up to the surface level. <laughs> and they finally get up to the surface level and it's just sunny as fuck up there. <laughs> Blue skies, and no I think clouds like, in sight. I think it's the Ernie Hudson character that's like, where's the damn hurricane? <laughs> he actually has a, a couple of good one-liners in the movie. Um, there's the one where like when when she's telling them, like, oh, you guys are going to have to stay down there for like 48 more hours while the storm passes. And she goes, like, look, I know you guys have been to hell down there. And he goes, been to hell? Bitch, we're still in it. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking loved it. Uh, Ernie Hudson is a drastically underrated actor. Because he does, like, you compare this to his role in Ghostbusters or, like, The Crow, which are, like, two of the things he's very well known for. And it's so different, all three of those roles. And he's good in all of them. Yeah, I uh, I think when I watched it, I was a little surprised that uh, this movie doesn't get nearly as much love as it should. It it really is. I mean, speaking as somebody who just watched it for the first time now, like it, it's it, it deserves to be seen more and talked about more as a classic horror film. It's yeah. you know, like I guess maybe because it's so heavily influenced by those other two movies, that maybe that's why it's like people are going to tell you to go watch those other two, <laughs> but it's, it was really good. Yeah. Yep. So, big fan. Uh, a couple other things I watched. I, I watched a movie called, I see you. Do you, the Stallone movie? No, it's a Helen hunt movie, obviously. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, I have not, I know I, what I you're talking about now, but I haven't. Yeah. Seen it so I have to kind of spoil it in order to, in order to recommend it, but I want to recommend it. So is that okay? okay. Yeah, go for it. So the movie starts out and it's like, uh, it's a crime thriller. You, you're, it's about this family. The dad's the cop who's investigating this series of disappearances. There's tension in the home because of the wife had cheated on him and the kid's mad at the mom and everything. And pretty typical crime thriller stuff. And they start to figure out like there's tying this, these crimes into some crimes from years ago. And well, if the guy who did those crimes is in jail, how can these be going on and all this kind of shit, right? Like somewhat typical, but well done crime thriller stuff. 
then like maybe it's like a half an hour into the movie we get like this weird reverse time jump where we're like okay it's we're back here and we're seeing things from a different perspective and we find out that it's like in addition to this being a crime thriller it's also like a a hider in the house type scenario where there are people living in the house Hmm. that the family doesn't know about just homeless people who have just snuck in because they need a place to live and so there's been some weird occurrences that didn't make any sense and we see now that okay it was these people doing it all along but then they naturally start to play a role in the crime drama as it moves forward and it plays out a lot more interesting than i expected it to be i was i was enjoying it as just a straightforward crime thriller somewhat predictable you know but still good. And then it turns out to be so much more. So I was super happy. I watched it. So recommended. So I think it's a prime original. So it, that's, it should be available on prime everywhere. And it was, it was good. Nice. So I'm sure. What else yeah. to say about it without yeah. getting into every little detail. But. <laughs> I've seen it around. I just have never, haven't watched it. So. But uh, I had no particular interest in it. And then somebody recommended it to me. And I thought, okay, why not? Oh, you, and you take their recommendations, not the ones from your co-host. Correct. Yes. All right. <laughs> I watched Leviathan eventually. When are you going to get to the movie you went to the theater and saw? Then, uh, yes. Then I finally went back to theaters for the first time since uh, COVID to see uh, the Benny Saints in Newark which aka the Sopranos movie where they got Tony Soprano's kid to play the young version of himself. So not a Marvel movie, not a candy man. Like we told you No, Sopranos movie. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> I get it. I kind of knew you guys might not be happy when you found out that I went back to theaters <laughs> to see that. But I was so mad. He's not even saying anything. It's not even here anymore. You bring great shame. Thank you. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's really just an extended episode of The Sopranos. So if you're a fan of that show, you'd probably be a fan of this movie. Never. It's not even that ex- not even that expanded because some episodes of The Sopranos are like over an hour long. So, but it does all the things the show does well. Um, I don't know. Are you guys fans of The Sopranos? Never saw it. No. I've it's, seen episodes of it. I mean, it's, it's all right. Certain things that I like about it that I think this this gets right are like the way individual characters and or the show itself can be like funny one moment and like brutal the next moment. And this movie really nails that where there's just these like fun, lighthearted moments going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, oh, yeah, by the way, these are horrible mobster guys who commit murders for fun whenever they feel like it. And we have to go back to that all of a sudden out of the blue. So that's done really well. And they do a pretty good job of casting younger versions of some of the characters. There's only one that I thought was sort of playing a bit of a a parody of the original actor rather than doing a good job of playing a younger version of the character. But, (laughs) you know, what can you do? They were trying their best. There's some pretty unique characters in The Sopranos, so to turn around and try to create younger versions of them is difficult, I guess. Yeah, my wife got really into The Sopranos when she had to stay home for a couple months because of her, she had back problems. Oh, so yeah. she, she binged her way all through the entire run of The Sopranos. So, 
She's interested in watching this. I know absolutely nothing about Sopranos, so. I, I I honestly, I wouldn't watch it if you're not a Sopranos fan. <laughs> okay. It's because it, it is one, like, one of the things that that show did that, you know, was considered ballsy at the time and stuff was that it can be meandering. There can be a lot going on that doesn't seem to relate to the story that they're trying to tell in that particular episode. There's just like a bunch of extra shit going on sometimes. And this movie definitely does that. Um, again, if you're a fan of the show and you're going into it, knowing that that's one thing, but if you're not, it could be a little weird to just experience for the first time. Yeah. But I don't know. I liked it. So, and I like, I definitely, the guys I went with were bigger Sopranos fans than me and they seemed to like it more than me, which I think is logical. But uh, yeah, that's it. I I, watch, I guess I watched a lot this week, but that's all. I think. Well, besides the Midnight Mass, I didn't watch Jack shit, so. Huh? Are you caught up on Dark Side of the Ring? That's the other thing I guess I... Oh, yeah. I've been watching. Yeah. We didn't talk about it last week. I don't know if we need to. Oh, uh, yeah. Canyon episode is really sad. Uh, fuck John Cena. That's, that's the takeaways I got from it. Um... Well, see, here's the interest. The interesting thing about that is, like, so John Cena, it basically goes out and says Canyon's not that good at being a wrestler, <laughs> but then Flair turns around and says the same thing in the same, like, both on the Howard Stern show. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it, my conspiracy theorist mind goes to I think WWE sent those guys out there to say that. Oh no, yeah. Because Canyon was going on the show and saying, giving his side of the story, and they're like, well. We WWE doesn't want to like release a press statement responding to that, but we'll let our guys go out there and we'll just tell them what to say. And guys like Flair and Cena are the kinds of guys who are going to go on the Stern show and say what they were told to say. You know? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, Flair has pretty much admitted that. That's what happened in his quote unquote quote unquote apology afterwards. Yeah. Uh, That he was basically towing the company line and whatever else. Yeah. with that having been said, the whole thing of where they, you know, had Taker beat the shit out of Canyon on TV, I yeah. don't th- I don't buy that that was because Canyon's gay. I think that was just poor story writing by WWE. Which I'd agree with. Like I, they they tried to play it up as if like this was some kind of a punishment because everyone in the back knew he was gay, but that no part of that makes any sense to me. Because for starters, it's Taker. I don't think he would do that. He would do that if you f- fucked up something in the business, he'd hit you in the head with a chair, but not just because of something in your personal life, I don't feel. Secondly, if he wasn't out, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just release him if they wanted to discriminate against him? Because Vince McMahon's weird. That's, that would be my answer. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's definitely one way or the other. It's like nobody will ever know unless Taker comes out and is says this is what I was told to do or this is not what I was told to do. My only guess would be that he doesn't get as much money if he quits voluntarily. It could be something like that. But it, like like I can see but, them yeah. I could see them just deciding like they didn't know what to do with the guy. They had no storyline for him. They need somebody to get beat up that week to advance a different storyline. And it's he's got mm-hmm. this little bit of a funny lisp when he talks. So they're just gonna run with that. And like WWE in the early 2000s, that's exactly the kind of shit they would do. 
and then like who cares that we're totally destroying this character that we could theoretically use in the future just for the sake of this one little bit because we have too many guys and we don't know what to do with them all so who cares if we ruin this one and that to me is more than likely what happened probably i just i didn't see any evidence that that yeah i didn't really have an opinion one way or the other on that whole thing like i even uh what was it james mitchell even said that canyon told him he just kind of pushed that story so that he could have it you know yeah he had, I don't. he had to sue him or something yeah i just but, it's like a lot of what happened is sad that he his mental yeah. health issues didn't get addressed quickly and if he felt discriminated against all that sad i'm just saying yeah. that one incident to me is they really yeah. tried to go out of their way to paint WWE or WWF, whatever it was at the time, badly, and I'm not convinced they deserved it in that case. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just thought John Cena, it's just like, especially, what was it, 2006? Just like, you are on top of the world. You don't need to punch down. Yeah. Canyon wasn't even wrestling at this point. It's like, you just not be a dick about it. Not to mention John Cena calling somebody a bad wrestler is hilarious right uh then what was it last week's episode was ffw yeah this is the super ultra violent japanese wrestling yeah which some of that shit was insane i I agree some of that shit is insane um and some of the storylines about how like people end up dead and in wheelchairs and stuff it's all but did you feel that the episode was maybe just kind of glossed over like everything like almost like they should have focused in on one character and told his story or something rather than trying to talk about this whole thing. Cause they just, it felt too high level for dark side of the ring. Yeah. I just thought maybe there wasn't just wasn't enough to, uh, it wasn't like one good thing to like focus on. Yeah. Cause most um, of like most of dark side of the ring has been about like one person or one incident. Right. Yeah. And this is more like about, a, a wrestling league that existed for several years and it's like well that doesn't it didn't feel right like i mean it's certainly like some of like the death matches they were putting on over there and shit is insane and you could just show clips from those and that would be it that would be a whole dark side of the ring episode like like a trivia game where you try to decide what injuries these guys got yeah even just talking about terry funk coming over yeah doing it like that seems like that might be an episode in itself but yeah Especially since Funk was like in his fifties ish by then, like forties or fifties by the time he got over there, just just insane. Uh, I do got to say that footage of uh, Habayusa, Habayusa, whatever his name is, uh, breaking his neck is one of the most disturbing Fuck, things ever. Yeah, that's hard. So for those that didn't see it, he goes to do like a middle rope like backflip, like he runs. And he's basically just showing off. Like, he's not, like, I think the guy's not even, he's, like, in the corner or something. I don't even know. But he runs, goes to hit the middle rope, and then was going to do a backflip off of it. But his foot slips on the rope, so he doesn't turn enough. And his forehead, because he's, you know, had his head back trying to propel himself, forehead hits the mat, but then, like, his body lands on top of his head. And then it quickly snaps back, but... Yeah, he was just like, nope, can't feel anything. I'm, I'm paralyzed. Yeah, and I was, far. I was just like, ooh. As soon as they showed it, I'm like, no, that's not good. 
It's one of those fucked up moments, too. It's kind of like the Owen Hart incident in the sense that, um, like, it wasn't some death-defying move designed to, like, look really cool in the ring. It was just some stupid stunt that went wrong. Yeah. And you're like, I, like, the fact that they were talking about this being part of this whole bigger storyline about how violent and extreme all these matches were, I was expecting it to be something that happened where he did some crazy shit during a match, but it's like, not really. No, it's no. something that lots of guys do. Nope. And, Just a random slip off of a rope, and that's it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, the episode was okay. It was interesting since I knew absolutely nothing about FMW, so it yeah, was the interesting same, to, the same way. Yeah. to learn about it, but I mean, it wasn't... There was not, besides that footage of that dude breaking his neck, there was no, like, holy shit, I had no idea, like, sort of moment or anything. No. Just it was like, like the, oh, okay. The tie into the Yakuza stuff was kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're just like all the wrestlers just going, yeah, yes. Please don't ask any follow up questions. I don't feel like getting stabbed with a samurai sword. It's like, yeah. Yes, they are in fact connected to the Yakuza. And there's a couple of guys who just be like, yeah, they run the arenas. So what are you going to do? You want to put on a show? You got to work with them. It's like, okay, fair enough. I think it was Foley that was like, yeah, I was uncomfortable with it, but I didn't know what. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> was it Foley that said that he basically had to watch Habayusa get put into a an ambulance and then head out to his main event show? Or was, I don't know, he said, said he saw something that was pretty horrific, but then he's just like, well, got to go be in the main event. <laughs> so yeah. just walk down the aisle. Yeah. yeah. The most fucked up part is when they had that fire match and they just let the fire get way out of control. Oh, my God. And they literally thought somebody was like burning alive in the middle, but it turns out he had slipped out the other side. Just nobody knew. Yeah. What'd they say though? He had 60% of his body was covered in burns. Oh was, yeah. FYI, the 65 year old man that was still doing hardcore wrestling matches at the time. <laughs> yeah. Was it Sabu's uncle? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I don't know if I'll watch that one. It It's not super graphic in the stuff they show. It's just, they just tell all these stories, and it's just like, oh, fuck. Probably the most graphic thing they show is uh, that dude trying to do that backflip. and Yeah, it's not making it. But, like, all the other stuff is pretty. Even though I, they put a disclaimer up that they had a bunch of unedited footage. But, I mean, really, it's not. There was no. There wasn't a lot of graphic. No stuff that they showed so if you're just interested in weird japanese wrestling culture i think it's interesting to watch but if it's one you do skip you're not gonna you're not missing out on one of the better episodes i'm trying to even remember what the next one's supposed to be i have no idea Let's see if i can look it up i don't generally know until like they show up what they're supposed to be so yeah it's been pretty good so far this half of, yeah uh, half of the season or whatever you want to call it um oh the next one's about johnny canine was uh, a wrestler but also involved with a pretty hardcore biker gang well, that's fun yeah he's double life as an in-ring brute and the leader of a biker gang implicated in drug trafficking the bombing of a police station and a gruesome double murder yeah, and he's one of those that like everybody sort of knew him and they're like oh yeah he's like the nicest guy ever like yeah and worked with like hogan and like all of them but then like uh yeah turns out he's a terrible person 
Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Noah, uh, what movies are we doing for our final week of Kane Hodder month? Uh, we're finishing up with uh, Kane Hodder's first appearance as Jason and last appearance as Jason. Damn straight. I wanted, to, I wanted to do uh, the two bad ones, but they wouldn't let me do it. Veto! <laughs> Jason go, takes Manhattan and Jason goes to hell. How dare you? How would you why would you submit us to that? Because they're awesome. It's bad enough we got blood <laughs> pumpkin head two blood wings this week. Again, that was a super fun watch. How dare you? Hey, <laughs> I think that uh we've been doing pretty good this month. Yeah, it's it's been a relatively successful month. And since we all know we're both going to like the movies next week, uh, that's one bad movie out of an entire theme month. So shut the fuck up. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we weren't a huge fan of Alligator 2 either, so. Yeah. Yeah, but it was all right. (laughs) No, that's what I'm literally saying. I'm saying it was not all right. That it was bad. I choose not to remember it that way. (laughs) We have a listener that is very excited to hear our thoughts on it. And I'm like, oh, he's like, I'm a huge fan of this movie. Oh, uh, well, we already recorded our thoughts on it. And um, well, on Pumpkinhead 2? No, on Alligator 2. Oh, Alligator 2. Yeah. I could tell you. I'm <laughs> uh, not going to be too happy with that. I lose the listener over that one. And we've lost plenty. Yeah, well. Uh, should we talk about what if and then get the fuck out of here? Yes, we should. Uh, this week or this last week, because the new one comes out tomorrow, um, is Ultron with the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. What if? Uh, and he basically destroys everything and then starts reality jumping and having a literal fist fight with the Watcher. <laughs> I do. I do like the fact that they insinuate in this that Ultron was actually a way bigger threat than Thanos. He just didn't oh, have, yeah. have any infinity stones. <laughs> well, technically he, he had the one and then Thanos showed up with four, five. Right. That's and like he's just, yeah, with he's one like, versus fuck. Thanos with the rest. And he just fucking wrecks Thanos. He's like, Oh, nice shinies. And Thanos is dead. But like, does that mean Vision could have done that? Uh, yeah. He just didn't think awesome. to. Well, Ultron doesn't have the humanity that Vision did. Just sure. my Vision. But he would have saved a lot of people a lot of problems if he would have just destroyed him. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say this episode, so I like it and all. And, and we got the return of, of uh, Arnim Zola, which is exciting. Getting closer and closer to that TV body. Right. But I I don't like the fact that this episode is literally just a trailer for another episode. Sure. Yeah. That, that's not an invalid complaint. The weird thing about this episode was at the beginning when the uh, we get the world where, well, what if, you know, Ultron had won? I got super into that world and I just wanted to spend the whole episode there. So you got like uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye still running around in this Thanos or not Thanos Ultron infested world, and I was just like, 
way into this that that universe and I, I wanted to spend all my time there so when they just leave there not too long into the episode and decide they're going to move into this world universe jumping thing i'm like yeah this is all fun but i was kind of enjoying my dark depressing world <laughs> well the first world is based off of a comic book story called age of ultron which they then took that title and used it for the age of ultron movie even though right the two had nothing to do with each other uh where ultron basically wins and the future is plunged into like a dystopian future and people that are left alive have to fight back it was a very weird story that didn't seem to fit when it was released. Um, I was going to say, the best part of Age of Ultron is when uh, Wolverine goes back in time and murders somebody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it, it not like he goes back in time and he kills somebody who deserves it. He goes back in time and he straight up murders someone. <laughs> I barely remember what happened in that damn story because I just remember being like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Remember that? Where, where everybody's supposed to go to the future to fight uh, Ultron where he is because Ultron, even though it is a future comic, Ultron exists even further in the future and is using some kind of time travel shenanigans through Vision to coordinate mm-hmm. all of his robots and then fucking everybody goes through the portal and then Wolverine's like, hey, I need you to change that time dial to the 1960s because I'm going to go murder Hank Pym before he builds Ultron. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. It like uh, the invisible and Sue Storm goes with him and she's trying to talk him out of it. And then like it gets to the last second and he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to fucking murder him and just murders him. It's <laughs> <laughs> a sound plan though. And then of course it's one of those great comic books where they go to the future. And of course the future's even worse. <laughs> because um, Wolverine's not a thinker. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we do get some good Hawkeye and Black Widow stuff. Hawkeye's got the uh, robot arm playing from uh, Green Arrow in the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Uh, obvi- obviously ripped off from that. Yep. Uh, somebody points out <laughs> one of the videos I watched pointed out. This is obviously not a Wakandan arm, though, because it's kind of crappy. So that means Tony Stark must have made it. <laughs> means it's going to be the villain in a future story. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Like we said, Arnim Zola is back, takes over one of the Ultron bots. And I like how they immediately just blow his legs off because they're like, yeah, we don't trust you. I'm just going to be walking around. That was fun. Um, and then, yeah, sort of ultra Ultron with all the things breaks into the watchers dimension. Yeah. I'm not, or, I'm not sure what the fuck that was supposed to be. Cause it wasn't, I don't think that was supposed to be the watchers watchtower. No. Um, and they have a fist fight through multiple realities. And, uh, one of them, it's uh captain America. He's getting sworn in as the president. Man. I'll be honest. I was like, oh, I want to live in the hangar. <laughs> you're not wrong uh the uh the sort of uh, easter egg uh thing that i watch on youtube after i watch these pointed out they think there's a connection that it was it's supposed to be the same universe that loki took over that one in the one episode where it turns out at the end he was still going to take over the earth oh, okay and that's because there's a shot of times square and there's like 
an ad for a play called Olympia. And then in this one, when he's when Captain America's being sworn in, there's the same ad still up in Times Square. And uh, the theory is that because uh, at the end of that episode, they said there's still one more hope left and they had found Captain America frozen. Um, oh, it was the episode where all the uh, big hitter Avengers got killed off before they yeah. could become the Avengers. That's what it was. And so the theory was that this is the same one and he they unfroze him and he was able to defeat Loki and was then basically being sworn in as president since he was super awesome. If you beat Loki, that's how you become president in that universe. I guess so. That's just... I guess so. Um, yeah. I don't know. Is there much else to talk about this episode? Uh, evil Doctor There's, Strange comes yeah, back. Yeah, I was going to say the return of Evil Doctor Strange there at the end. Uh, and he seems like his uh, Ultra Ultron is still going to be a problem. And it looks like we were wrong about a lot of stuff. And Ultra Ultron is going to be the ultimate villain that they have to form a team to defeat. So we sort of see the very beginning of that with evil Doctor Strange at the very end telling the Watcher and like, yeah, whatever. You know, one of the things I've said in the past is that one I like the MCU partially because just the balls they have to do the things they do. So Age of Ultron, easily one of the most hated movies in their thing. So they decide to create this whole new series and make the bad guy from that the bad guy in their whole new series. Because <laughs> fuck you guys. Ultron's cool whether you guys think he's cool or not. I think he's cool. I, I, in general, I just think he's not. he wasn't cool in that movie. I didn't really, I didn't really hate him as James Spader and stuff, but I feel like Ultron's the type of character that needs a little space to breathe. Yeah. And maybe... And, uh, they should have set him up in another movie and then bloody mobile yeah. to that. Yeah. I, I feel the, the age of Ultron movie was just overstuffed with too much going on. Yeah. And none of the characters got what they reserved. Cause it's also like the creation of vision and you're like, well, maybe that should be a whole movie unto itself. Cause it's like this hugely powerful character that they just mm-hmm. kind of create in the background of this other movie. Right. Yeah, and then everybody goes and has their own visions that basically map out what their individual series are going to be for the entire rest of the run up to Thanos. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe we don't need all this stuff in this one movie. Weird. Yeah, so good episode, but, I mean, nothing happens. <laughs> Nothing's resolved. It's, like I said, it's a, just yeah. a trailer for another episode, so. Yeah. Did you guys know that the Watcher could throw down fists like that i did not picture him as that type of character though the insinuation in the comic books is that the watcher's race could absolutely decimate everyone in the universe if they were okay they just have their weird shit they kind of addressed it there was a recent quote fingers recent run of comic books called original sin Mm-hmm where you kind of find out a little more about Uwatu and why his race watches and the consequences of it and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's interesting. It's not the best. I'm, I'm not going to sing its praises because it's not the best written comic book I've ever read in my entire life. No, it was another one. It was sort of like we were talking about before. It was a, uh, it was a series of comic books that was used to then set up the storylines for like 20 other comics after it. Yeah. So, it's so by, it's set by up time, unworthy Thor and unworthy Thor is fucking fantastic. 
Yeah. So by the end of it, you're like, oh, so we didn't resolve anything. We just uh, set up basically other stories for the you know, next year and a half. That's bullshit. I did. I did like the fact that original sin was basically them taking the idea of. So for years and years and years, they've always insinuated that Nick Fury is this manipulative badass and that he's constantly doing things behind the scenes that you don't know about and all that. And then an original sin, you find out you're like, okay, it's that, but times a million. Yeah, pretty much. Ever. Anytime you've seen Nick Fury in a comic book since like what the seventies, it's been a life model decoy. You've never seen the true Nick Fury. Yeah, they've always, okay. yeah, they've always been robots and he's been secretly, uh, basically murdering enemies of the earth. All right. Yeah. yeah, because the whole, whole idea—the whole idea—is the watcher. Somebody kills. Somebody murders the watcher. Steals his eyes because apparently, if you watch things, then eyes are very important. Uh, there's something where if somebody touches it or something, then it sets off this thing where people suddenly learn stuff that they didn't know before about themselves or someone close to them or some yeah. secret it of un- some it sort. Reveals your secrets. Yeah. Uh, by the end of it. Uh, Nick Fury, who's actually aged quite a bit, so he's kind of an old man now. Uh, that's why that's why we say anytime you've ever seen him, it's not actually him because he's been aging so much that he's only been using life model decoys since like the seventies. Uh, ends up taking over as the new Watcher, so is imbued with some sort of cosmic power or whatever. It's one of those sounds sounds, so, sounds better on paper than it did in execution. Yeah. Doesn't sound like it on paper to me, but yeah. Like I said, it's not incredibly well written. It does do a good job of like by the end of it, you just kind of feel sorry for Uwatu, which is which is interesting because he is one of those characters that for you know everybody always makes the same argument. It's like yeah, but you just sit there and don't do anything, like you piece of shit. That's his job. He's a uh, he's a watcher. Yeah, it never bothered me that he doesn't do anything because he's called the watcher but i don't think i understood how powerful he was yeah until recently in, in the comic book so in original sin they end up explaining that so his race was divided into two factions the ones who thought you know we are powerful and wise and been around for forever and it's our duty to shepherd all the rest of the species of the universe into this harmonious peace that we've found. And the other camp, that's like, absolutely not. Like, there are going to be consequences for interfering with people. So kind of the Star Trek Prime Directive kind of thing. And they go to one planet and they they do the thing. So they give them the cures for every disease and they into every war and they, you know, set them up with all this knowledge. And in the planet flourishes and becomes this, you know, powerhouse technological society that's living in this age of utter peace. And they leave for 30 years or something and then come back and the entire race is dead because they built nuclear bombs and killed each other. And so that's that's the reason why they no longer interfere. They're only allowed to watch. Oh, it's kind of good logic. Yeah, and there's this whole thing about so the there's a base on the moon called the Watchtower where Uwatu watches everything from, 
And there's the idea that it's it runs off this multiversal engine. So he's not just watching our reality. He's watching every moment of all time throughout every possible universe. And in the very first comic, uh, oh, I can't remember his fucking name, not Rich Rider, but the other Nova goes and talks to him. And Uwatu basically tells him that he's been the reason what he's looking for is he's looking for one time in one universe where them telling that that alien species about medicine and stuff didn't end up with them killing each other and he never found. So it happened every single time. So he was always wrong that helping people will just lead to their destruction. Yeah. That's a very positive note. <laughs> <laughs> right. Probably realistic, but still. So dep- yeah, it's really depressing. You're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. that sucks. Basically, people are terrible. Yeah. But do you have any other comments about the show, though? Uh, I was all right. Can't wait for next week. I don't remember what the next one's supposed to be. Something about Spider-Man? Is it? I don't know. Possibly. Maybe it's Spider-Man Sorcerer Supreme, maybe. Uh, All right. Anything else before we sign off, I guess? No, we're Uh, good. Don't forget to edit that part that you said you were going to edit. Oh, yeah. I do need to remember to do that. Otherwise, this this is the part of the show where I tell everyone that Brian forgot to do that. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Because every week I have to praise Mike Flanagan this week. I got, I've actually watched his new thing, which is yeah. a midnight mass. You're up to, you're up to date. You're at least most current on his most current project. Yeah. I've still got some stuff to go back and catch up on, but Netflix just kept, putting this one in my face it was like all right all right fine uh which is what i finished this week as well okay um it yeah i mean it's a weird fucking thing movie or series i mean i guess minor spoilers to people but this uh this series is based around the question of what would happen if a priest found a vampire and thought it was an angel it's basically the concept um, I have I have not watched it yet, and now I am so excited. It's yeah. You'll find out till the end of episode three that that's what's going on. But yeah, yeah. so it it is a bit of a spoiler because it is. I don't. You know, I I personally don't care all that much about spoilers. But it like you know like Mike Flanagan's the way he operates is he gives you a couple of episodes at the front where yes, there's minor horror elements, but it is about getting to know all the characters, which is important because what. I think what makes a lot of his stuff work is that you give a shit about these characters by the time they stuff starts happening to them. You know what, Doug, uh, if, if you want to go full spoiler, go for it. And I'll just tack this on to the end of the episode. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, so basically, right. well, while you guys are doing that, I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> so for people, we're going to talk to Noah about it and he fucking left. All right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, Noah, this, if you're listening to this in the future, well, no, I'll be I'll be back in like literally two seconds. I just got to step out of the room for one second. Right. Well, Brian, you've seen it, so we can go full spoiler without him. Sure. But 
So in the in the early episodes where we were getting the flashes to the girl that the main character Riley had killed, mm-hmm. I fucking loved that mislead because the idea that there's just this he's just got this psychological problem that results from his past deeds that is haunting him, but isn't an actual haunting and isn't part of the storyline for anybody else. And they teased us with it. Like I kept waiting for this to become a ghost story and it's not at all. And I, I, I think that that worked really well because going in mostly blind to this, those first few flashes, I just assumed, okay, well, we're going to get ghosts. Did you, did it fool you or? Uh, I didn't know if we were going to be get ghosts, but I mean, it definitely was like, well, he's going to be tortured by this. This is going to be his like every, you know, every day. And I, so I assumed as I think most people would, that this entire series was about his mental breakdown and whatever comes out of that, whether it's supernatural or not. Turns out that has actually very little to do with this show. Yeah, it's it, the twist of making him the main character and then killing him off when they did. Like, what was mm. that end of episode? Was that episode five, five at the end? Yeah. Where, you know, and there is some implication that he has some level of supernatural ability in the sense that he had that dream which he repeated, and I think it's, I think again, like it's it's ambiguous because it could be that he recreated his dream and that's why his death scene is very reminiscent of his dream or it could be that his dream was like somewhat of a prophecy dream depending on how you want to interpret it um i i'd prefer not to think about it too much and let it be ambiguous that was my take on it just as because i I love that scene where he paddles out the boat and you he's talking to her and we don't know why he's out there and when he finally just you realize he's just brought himself out there to essentially kill himself, but hopefully save her in the process. I love that moment. Um, yeah. And I love that he tells her that, you know, I, this is what I want you to do, but I know that you're not going to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but just, just giving it that, that shot. I, I love that moment. I really liked those two characters together. I liked their sort of like, we get a lot of them in those opening episodes where it's sort of a romantic relationship brewing but not really it's kind of just two old friends and you're not really sure which way it's headed and we never we never find that out because it, you know he ends up dying before it's an issue yeah they end up just two people who are really comfortable with each other because of their past and yeah. that that relationship i think plays very well on the screen yeah, and it's it's not something you see very often. Um, is a, is that type yeah. of relationship of just? Yeah, most filmmakers would have put them back together. That they were yeah. there. He, they he had come back, and they're going to rekindle their relationship. But yeah, and and like I do think there are hints that if nothing else had happened, maybe they would have tried. And would it have worked? Wouldn't have? We don't know, right? Because yeah, but we never get into that. We never get that far down that thing. So like I, yeah, I, I liked all that stuff, even though it is peripheral to the main horror storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like the other thing I liked that was again sort of peripheral was the stuff with the Muslim sheriff. Mm-hmm. I thought that was handled really well. Like when it, like when they started 
picking on him for being Muslim. I thought, because I've seen so many like Stephen King things, right? And this is, I'm thinking about this. As soon as you realize the priest is part of the problem, you're, you're immediately thinking Stephen King because you can't help it. And I'm thinking this is just an excuse to badmouth the Catholic Church. They're going to have all the hardcore religious people be anti this Muslim guy. But they don't really. Um, to some extent, it comes up. But I like that he was just, he was just a different character and it played into the storyline and it played into the character and, and into his interactions. But there were still plenty of people on this island who were, you know, quote unquote religious people that just treated him like anybody else. And I thought they handled it well. Yeah, it's they take the Christian extremists essentially and make them into the. Yeah. They basically make them into what they're claiming he's supposed to be. Right. And that's metaphorically that works real world. It also works, but you know, um, cause that's one of the things that I think Flanagan does well is he knows that horror is different things to different people. Right. So in haunting of Hill house, you had like the ghost story, which is the traditional horror, but you also had all the trauma that was inflicted on this family just by being a fucked up family as a result of what they've gone through. And you had, so you had these, two sort of competing elements of horror. And I imagine for people who have been through certain things watching Hill House, you'd have more trouble watching the family fighting with each other than you would watching them get chased around by the ghosts. Right. Mm. And I think in this one, like I fully admit, like I had to stop and take a break after the scene where the religious lady is trying to justify handing out Bibles in the classroom. <laughs> yeah. And, like I legit had to like pause it and go like holy shit like that was hard for me to watch when she's like it's what we just it's the same thing you give them a science textbook you give them a thing it's all just different forms of knowledge and i was like fucking losing my mind as a kid who grew up with uh i had a a special bookshelf that only had encyclopedias on it uh for younger listeners you google what those are they're wikipedia before there was a wikipedia (laughs) but (laughs) it's yeah i had it was this bookshelf that only had encyclopedias on it and a bible and i wasn't allowed to put anything else on that bookshelf because that was just for those and in retrospect that's so fucked up (laughs) like knowing now what i like it's just it's so messed up that idea and i don't think it was intentional it was just people doing what they did Mm -hmm. um and so, yeah, that, but I mean, like point being, like, I think he makes all that stuff work on all those levels. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like the sheriff brings up what if I would have handed out a Taurus, everybody in the class, like you would have lost it. Yeah. And she's like, Oh no, I wouldn't have cared. And I'm like, bullshit. It's, like, it's, fucking it's just bullshit. It's yeah. just because he didn't do it. That's why you're fine with it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's, is why you do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But so, no, yeah. but then the, yeah. so the actual horror storyline when that kicks in, when the the sort of we get the reveal followed by the flashback that this thing that they're that is providing them with their basically giving them the Wolverine healing powers and causing everyone to get younger is something that also happens to only live at night and sucks blood from your neck. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, Noah, since. You want 100 percent know what we're talking about. The the priest brings a vampire back from Jerusalem. Yeah, so he finds him in a cave out in the desert. Jerusalem, Damascus, something like that. Yeah, right. wherever he goes to the Wailing Wall and then wanders out into the desert and finds him. Finds finds himself a Jewish vampire. 
Uh, well, it's a big old winged uh, serpent-looking thing. So, yeah, call it. Uh, which is why he mistakes it for an angel. But so he brings it back, and then what he starts doing is putting the vampire's blood in the communion wine for everybody in the church, and everybody starts like healing and de-aging and everything. But they have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And the thing is, as an audience, you have no idea what's going on either for the first little while. So you have situations like where the you've got the old lady who's recovering from her Alzheimer's and getting younger and healthier constantly. But then you've also got the woman in town who like suddenly isn't pregnant anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, again, still not knowing what the fuck was going on. I was starting, I was doing the math in my head, like, okay, it's like a sacrifice thing in order for somebody to get healthier. Somebody else has to make a sacrifice or something like that. Turns out like, no, when they end up finally giving the explanation as to the fact that like, no, when this chick got vampire blood into her system, her body started to reject her own baby because it was seeing it as like an outside force. It's like, well, that's, that's fucking weird. Like that's, <laughs> like that's not a consequence you think is going to come up in a vampire story. Right. Yeah. It was done really well. Yeah. It's, and then around like, like the last two episodes when the blood starts flowing and now that, now we get that, that vampire just flying around, we've got the sort of like, I don't know what term you want to use for the people who are like half turned into vampires. Basically the people, who, the people who go to church every week at this point are start are starting to feel like the bloodlust and stuff. Cause they're constantly getting this influx of wine and they're put through a ceremony. It's basically like a cult ceremony where it's like, okay, drink this, you'll die. You'll come back cause you have enough vampire blood in you. But when you come back, you'll be a vampire basically. And it's, they're locked in the church with a, bunch of other because it's easter sunday so there's a lot of people in the church who don't go on a regular basis and all those people are just going to get fucking killed at the end of this they're just the food and keep in mind nobody at this point has even said the word vampire like nobody nobody does in the whole nobody's nobody's thinking about no it's a vampire like the people in charge like the crazy lady who's you know super religious basically the lady mrs carmody from the mist yeah it's basically there's a character like that in this, and then the uh, the priests uh, who or the monsignor, whatever you want to call them, who brought the vampire back. They're all framing this as like super positive, yeah. And they're framing this whole thing like, no, you're gonna die like Jesus did, and then resurrect. Like they're framing it through like this religious like yeah uh, text and whatever. And so to them, it makes perfect sense. And like, why would you not want this? And there's yeah. only a couple of people at first that are just like, no, this doesn't seem good at all. But Could it be mm, Satan? <laughs> it's, it's well done the way the show does it too, though, because we've seen, we've literally seen the priest at this point suck the blood out of a guy's head wound. <laughs> um, you know, we've seen this monster take a couple of people out by just like, I, I think the special effect works pretty good where it's like gliding through the air and then it just speeds in and attacks. Um, you kind of get certain shots that are definitely lifted from uh, lost boys with the flying over top of the town and looking down on it. Uh, but yeah, I, so 
as an audience, we know that this is like this horrific monster thing, whether you want to call it a vampire, whether you're still referring to it as an angel, whatever you want to do. We know that it causes you to suck on head wounds and, you know, burn your skin if you go in the sun and everything else. But they're still framing it as this positive thing. So we're able to see just the way that these essentially cult leaders are leading these people into a mass suicide to literally convert themselves voluntarily into monsters. And it's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's all of it. I thought was really, really well done. Um, like all that horror stuff. And I thought it made just enough sense when the townsfolk finally go nuts and end up like basically killing themselves in the final episode because they, they basically burn down every place where they could be hiding. And, uh, then they're just stuck there as the sun's coming up. Yeah, keep in mind they're they're on an island, like a little like north, northeast, northwest. Which one did you get? Because I couldn't figure out if it was supposed to be east coast or west coast. Yeah, it's I'm not sure. Doesn't really matter. Uh, so they're stuck on an island. So the people that are left are like, "Fuck this, burn everything down, quick!" And then. Uh, their plan, their, the vampire's plan, is to load up the fishing boats and go over to the mainland the next night. So, like, there's a, just a small handful of people. It's like we cannot let anybody get off this island and start torching everything. Yeah. Because they are uh, deathly allergic to sunlight. Whatever the... Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Burns their, it burns their skin slash causes them to evaporate if they're left yeah. out in it, so... Again, they're vampires. They yeah. it's the it's Buffy style vampires where they literally disintegrate into dust if they're left out in the sun too long. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I loved the uh, I loved when the the woman who I did not expect to be our final girl at all <laughs> wrote most of this. Um, shit, I can't remember character names, yeah, but the one that, the one that we were saying had the really good character, had the really good uh, relationship with Riley early on. When she finally decides she's going to be the one that takes out the, the head vampire and she um, basically sacrifices herself. I thought that was a super fucking cool scene. Yeah. I love that this monster is so bloodthirsty that when she starts like tearing apart its wings, it won't stop drinking from her. Mm. And so like, Noah, you'll appreciate this ending. Um, towards the end there's like two kids that have survived and they're out in like a canoe off the shore of this island and they can see this island with all their family on it burning down and everything and uh we literally see the the one vampire like the true vampire start flying and it's flying they go oh shit like he's literally trying to fly west so that he can escape the sunrise because he's got nowhere left to hide on this island and they kind of casually point out, like, he's not flying right. We've all seen this woman, like, cut the shit out of his wings at this point. <laughs> so we're like, oh, and they're like, well, he's not going to be able to make it to, like, land at all. And then that's, we don't really see it. But what happens is the girl previously was in a wheelchair. And she starts to feel her body going back to disintegrating, like, degenerating back to its old state which I think tells the audience that obviously that vampire didn't make it right. Cause once you kill the head vampire, you sort of save all the other ones below it by having the effects wear off. 
And I thought that was a, a really nice little subtle way to do to end it. I, thought, uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It was done super well. I loved it. I see a lot of people bitching about that it's just a bunch of monologues or whatever, but I don't know if that didn't bother it, me. Okay, so it didn't bother me either, but it comes like it didn't bother me because I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan and I like his dialogue and I like his characters. Right. Mm-hmm. But it does, it does really come up on that pretentious arts house crap line where you're just like, we're letting these guys talk an awful lot. And we do have to listen to that speech about death, you know, after everything's over. And it's like, you have to sort of remind us that we are not, <laughs> this was not meant to be taken as a horror story and that we're supposed to be following these characters in this drama. And it's like, but we just watched all the cool horror stuff. <laughs> you know, again, I liked it, but I can understand the complaint that it's, there's too much dialogue and too much just, yeah, just pretentiousness seeping through. I think what's happened is you finally have Flanagan just being told, okay, look, you're the fucking man. You've been nailing it for years. Just go over there and do whatever you want. And he literally did that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we talk about George Lucas a lot, but it happens with any kind of filmmaker. If you give them complete and utter control and nobody's pulling them back at all, you can get their worst instincts kind of creeping through. And if you're not a huge fan of it, it can be a problem. Yeah. So like, uh, like this is, I mean, you mentioned it, I think last week, Brian, that this is what Flanagan has been wanting to make forever. Basically like this has been his goal. And I, the trivia I learned this week is that if you go back and watch hush, which is the first Flanagan film I ever saw, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's about a writer and she's writing this story. There's literally like, they show her computer screen and there is like scenes from this showing up on her computer screen because he had already written parts of it that far back i think back then he was trying to make it into a book and not into a tv series but Mm -hmm. and so it's interesting like he's had he's had the idea this long and he's finally just you know been told go ahead Mm -hmm. um so but i think when i posted about it on instagram after i watched it i'm just like you know, love, love it or hate it, this is what you get when you let this guy do whatever he wants. Personally, I love it. I actually got to write an article, uh, five Stephen King works that influenced Midnight Mass that my editor's like, can you have it done by Friday so I can post it? Because I want to post it while everybody's still talking about the show. And I was like, yeah. So I had it done Thursday night, and he still hasn't posted it, so... <laughs> So for the record, we're recording on the Tuesday. Um, yeah. So we'll see uh, if my article ever gets posted because there is a bunch of stuff that you can tell he's a Stephen King fan. That's just oh, like, yeah. yep. Yep. He cherry picked from this cherry picked from that, put it all here together in one, one big thing. And I think it's definitely a compliment. It's not a, uh, not something bad that he did. I feel like he took a bunch of elements that work really well together and was able to, yeah. Put them all together into his own sort of thing. So, so what were your five works besides Salem's Lot? What were the other ones? <laughs> yep, one of them was Salem's Lot. Uh, the other one, oh god, what were they? I'm completely like I already wrote it, so now I'm blanking on the ones I pick. Uh, okay. One, one of them was uh, oh, let's see, 
Storm of the Century. Nope, Storm of the, Storm of the Century. Because in the first episode, there is a giant uh, storm yeah. against the town. So yeah, I feel like he used some of that and uh, post or put it in this movie. You know, taking something from a small uh, island town that gets shut down because of a storm, and then just transfer that over to here. Uh, sleepwalkers. There is something about a. They have a bunch. Another island that's just full of feral cats. Yeah. Um, this time though, the monster wins over the cats, whereas in Sleepwalkers, the cats win. That's a good point. Not another island. It's just a different part of the island that is no longer yeah. occupied. But yeah. Not well, so they'll pick your points. Well, well, they take a canoe out to it all the time. So. Yeah. Whatever. Uh. <laughs> his pilot for a TV series for Golden Years. Um. Which uh, they put out as like a movie on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a janitor is working at, at quote unquote the shop, which if everybody remembers that vague uh, government uh, agency from the beginning of Stephen King's career. Uh, he's a janitor. He's this old guy that gets caught in some ex- weird explosion from something at the shop. And then he starts aging backwards. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, and then they're going to turn that into a TV show and it bombed pretty spectacularly so it didn't uh they didn't i've never seen it never seen the miniseries i hear it's not good though yeah but i think it would have been a old guy aging backwards going from town to town to help people while running from the shop you know that old uh <laughs> chestnut from tv back in the day just every other show was that <laughs> pretty much uh, and this one is not a movie yet, but it's been optioned and Mike Flanagan was attached to it for a long time and then dropped out last year just because, I don't know, it's been taking too long to get going and he's just like, I don't have time anymore. Dropped out of it. So it's based on the book Revival. Okay. Um, which is, uh, it's a story of a preacher who begins to show up and has all these weird powers and they're able to heal people. Um, and as is, as the as crowds grow, secrets of how he does such miracles are exposed. Um, turns out in the book he was using electricity and harnessing essentially harnessing power from another dimension. But it turns out there was some sort of creature on the other side that he had been siphoning power from, and um, it's a very Lovecraftian sort of story. Okay. It does sound Um, like all of these things did heavily influence Midnight Mass, though. It sounds like you wrote a good article, (laughs) hypothetically. Hypothetically. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you look and you're like, oh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And considering Revival, he was attached to it and then dropped out. I'm like, oh, I bet he just took some of that shit. and was like, well, this will fit in my Midnight Mass stuff. I'll just put it in here. Yeah. That's interesting. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, nothing he... Nothing from what you're describing, anyway. He didn't directly lift oh, no, no, no. Or characters or whatever. Like, he, it's not ripping off. It's homaging and stuff, you know? No, totally. Yeah. Um, no, he, just, you can, he, it's very well known. He's a huge King fan. So yeah. it's just very much taking a bunch of shit that he likes and is able to kind of mash them together and make his own thing with it, which I'm perfectly happy with. Yep. Yeah. No, I, uh, like I said, I'm just curious to see what he's what's next because shit this was good man <laughs> i know he's working on a show called midnight club 
and I'm not sure what it is. And he's he's on uh, he was on the King Cast like about a year ago talking with them, and he's like, yeah, I know I'm doing two per, two things with like midnight in the title, so it gets confusing. But uh, I don't really know <laughs> what uh, Midnight Club is supposed to be about. But all right, well, I look forward to whatever he does next. I don't. I still got a couple other things to go back and watch, and then. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to rewatch stuff because when I was reading that, it uh, a tidbit about Hush, all I kept thinking was, "Man, I really want to watch Hush again." <laughs> uh, let's see. The Midnight Club follows a group of five terminally ill patients at Rotterdam Home, which I'm assuming is like a convalescence home, who begin to gather together at midnight to share scary stories. So it looks like an anthology show. Okay. So I'm on board, and it looks like the main. Uh, main guy leaves in episode five is attached to it as well. Oh, and Heather Lane camp's going to be in it. Yeah, that's fun. So yeah, that should be fun. 